Let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord on today? Amen. I'm so excited uh, to be with you on today. For those of you who don't know, my name is Pastor Phil Carr. And uh, I want to thank uh, Pastor Arthur Durham uh, for the opportunity to visit and to share the word of God with the people of God. Amen. I consider uh, Kingdom Embassy to be my second home, church home. <laughs> I always feel at home. When I come, and it's always a special treat uh, for me and my wife, and so it's so good to see you once again. I thank God uh, for my wife. Uh, can you stand, Pastor CC? She always comes down with me, and uh, and uh, mighty prayer warrior, as you can see. And uh, uh, one time we actually tag teamed. I don't know if you were here. I did part one of the sermon and she did part two and so I thank God uh, for her and again I'm just excited I'm just excited uh, to be in your company and to be able to share the word of God with you on today uh, let's pray and then we'll get right into what the spirit of the Lord wants to share with us today dear heavenly father we just thank you for this gathering called kingdom embassy we thank you for this church in Muskegon, Michigan. And, Lord, we know uh, that you have a great vision and a great uh, mission and great plans for this church, uh, the church individual and the church institutional. And so we say, speak a word on today, oh, God, that will change our lives forevermore. Lord, we pray that you would not allow us to leave here the same way that we have come. We pray, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Allow the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts to be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer, in Jesus' name we pray. And let the people of God say amen and amen. I consider uh, the uh, topic and the teaching uh, for today to be one of my most important ones to date. Uh, some of you know a little bit about me, and so you know that a big part of my ministry and my calling is teaching and training and coaching and those types of things. And uh, there's quite a few topics that I feel like the Lord has given to me to share uh, with the world. Leadership is one. Discipleship uh, is another. And so there's quite a few but I would argue that today's topic is the most important one, and so we're going to use as a thought, giving God your best. Giving God your best. And so what we want to talk about, in fact, it's going to be the next two weeks. Believe it or not, you'll see me next Sunday as well. And, uh, and that's nice because that means I don't have to hold you hostage today. <laughs> And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you part one of this giving God your best today, and then I'll come back, Lord willing, and give you part two uh, on tomorrow. Uh, uh, 
First Lady Ardina told me that we end at 12.15, so it's a good thing I got another week. Otherwise, y'all was going to be in trouble. <laughs> but with that being said, again, giving God your best is what I want to talk about. And here's the, here's the subtitle. It's very important. The big questions for putting your best Christian life forward. The big questions. And so I know that most of you in here are believers, and even those of you who are watching online, and maybe some of you haven't made that commitment yet, and hopefully you'll make that commitment today. But for those of you who have already decided to give your life to Jesus and you have been serving Jesus, the question that I want to present to you the next couple of weeks is this, are you giving God your best? What are you giving unto God in your service unto him? That's what we want to discuss over these next two Sundays. Next slide. And there's a couple of, uh, 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 well, first of all, some of you know I love to use acronyms, and some of you appreciate acronyms. So here's our acronym for this teaching. BEST stands for Bringing Excellent Service and Do It How? Thankfully. So that's what it means to give God your best. You don't get to decide what your best is. God has already decided it, and he's placed it in his word. And what God demands of us, his children, is that we give him excellent service and that we do it thankfully. We do it with joy in our heart and a smile on our face. Amen. I mean, you know, serving God is not always easy. Oh, but it's a privilege. And it is a blessing, and we should give God his, our best. And here's the reason why. Let me just say it up front. Why? Because he has given us his best. Amen. Right? And so in return, in our service, we ought to give God our best. Right? He gave us Jesus, his son, his only begotten son, to die on Calvary's cross for the remission of our sins. That's his best. He gave us eternal life or salvation, and so we get to spend eternity in the presence of God. And it doesn't matter what happens on this side. We know what the next side is going to be like. That's his best. He's given us eternal life. He's given you grace, and he's given you mercy, and he's given you forgiveness, and the list goes on and on. And the question becomes, what will you give him in return? Next slide. And so the psalmist in Psalms 1, uh, 16, 12 through 17, he picks up this theme. The psalmist, I believe the one that wrote this one was David, a man after God's own heart. And so he had a moment where he was thinking about the goodness of God. Anybody ever do that? You know, sometimes when things get tough, you just got to pause and just think about the goodness of God, right? Uh, the psalm writer said, if I had 10,000 tongues, I couldn't thank him and praise him enough. And David was having one of those moments, and he, gave, he allowed us to peer into that moment. He said, starting in verse number 12, he said this as he was thinking about the goodness of God, what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? He says, I will take up the cup of salvation. I will call upon the name of the Lord. I love what he says in verse 14. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. The idea there is that as you seek to give God 
your best. In some cases, you might have to offer him your life. You may have to die for Jesus, but precious in the sight of the Lord. Oh, Lord, truly I am thy servant. Can you say that? Can you say that unequivocally? That because of how I serve the Lord, get this, I know I'm a servant of God. It is not questionable. David says, I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thy handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. Anybody got that testimony of deliverance and, and breakthrough? And he says, finally, in verse 17, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. Next slide. And so, again, David kind of talks about what it means to give God his best. Now, another example that we want to use over the next couple of weeks, because I think this is very important. Some of you are familiar with the story of Cain and Abel. The first two sons of Adam and Eve. You know those guys? Cain and Abel. And I'm not going to read this text. Let me just give you a snippet of the story. And so at some point, as servants of God, they came to give an offering unto God. Some of you know the story, right? And Abel gave a good offering. He gave God his best. And then Cain tried to shortchange God. And he gave God something, but he didn't give God his best, right? Cain, uh, Abel, rather, who was stable, gave God his best. And Cain, who was vain, gave God his less. He gave God his mess. He gave God his rest. You say, well, what's his rest? His rest is, is his leftovers. What he had left over after he did what he wanted to do. And so here's the point, that we need to be more like Abel, who gave God his best, and less like Cain. And look here, folks, we got to stop giving God our mess and our less and our rest and think we're doing something. And so that's what it means to give God our best. That's what it means we got to stop giving God our less. Your time and your talent and your treasure came from God, and it belongs to God. And we need to thankfully give it back unto God. Amen? You say, well, why? Because if it had not been for God, the Lord on your side, where would you be? You could be dead and sleeping in your grave, but God. And so we got to figure this thing out. We got to give God our best. Next slide. The key to giving God our best, get this now, is asking, answering, and applying the big questions of the Christian life to your everyday life. There's some questions that you need to wrestle with, that you need to work out if you're going to be able to give God your best. Best. And so over the next couple of weeks, I want to give you six in totality. I'm going to give you three this morning, and then I'll give you the last three next week, okay? And so there's some big questions. I call them the big questions of life. And let me say this. I wish someone had given me these questions years ago, right? Uh, these questions will help you to really think about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Because let me tell you what most of us do. Most of us give our heart to the Lord, 
and then we follow Jesus how we want to follow. We got our own little brand of what it means to follow Jesus. So we, we kind of pick and choose what we like and what we, you know, don't like. You know, for example, some of us, you know, that premarital sex thing, you know, I, you know, sex before marriage, I, that one don't make no sense to me. I don't, you know, surely God don't want me. And we just pick and choose. And generally, we pick something that's comfortable to us. Get this, something that makes sense to us, as if you're God. <laughs> Newsflash, I don't know if you figured this out yet, but God gave us 66 books that detail his word, his will, and his ways. He did not stutter. He, in the Bible is what God expects, the expectations for God, from God for the children of God. Are you with me today? And so we can't make up what it means to be a follower of Jesus. we got to follow the word of God. And so these questions will help us in that effort so that get this, so that we can be prepared and positioned to give God our best. Some of you right now, you could decide after this sermon, I want to give God my best and still not be able to do it because you don't know what that means and you don't know how to do it and so get this there's some homework that you have to do that's why Paul told Timothy study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needed not to be ashamed so that you can what rightly divide the word of truth and you need to rightly divide the word of truth so that you can rightly live the word of truth amen Next slide. So I'm going to give you three questions on, on today. I call these the big questions of the Christian life. And as you work at them and work through them, you will be prepared to give God your best. Anybody want to give God your best today? Do you want Is that your heart's desire? Well, I want to help you. Here, here's how we do it. So big question number one. Here's the first question. Who am I? Who am I? That's the question of identity. See, many of us, like Cain, we are vain. We give God our less because we don't even know who we are. I mean, think about it for a minute. If you don't know who you are, then how do you know if what you're giving God is your best? You don't even know who you are. And so like Cain, uh, those of you who know that story with Cain, he was surprised that God was challenging him. I gave you an offering, and God was saying, but it's not your best. And many of us in our service unto the Lord, we're giving God something, but is it your best? See, because here's the thing. I don't know how long you've been walking with the Lord, and, and I don't know many of you personally, but this I know, myself included, when it comes to our service unto God, we all can do better. We all can go higher. We all can be greater. We're all works in progress. And so there is a next level in terms of your service unto God. But here's the thing, unless like the Apostle Paul who said in Philippians chapter 3, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Unless that's your attitude, unless that's your perspective, you will never give God your best. In other words, you got to be thinking about your relationship with God all the time. 
And you got to be evaluating what you're doing all the time. And even as you talk to God, that's called prayer, you got to say, hey, God, how am I doing? You know, where am I struggling? Where do I need to do better? Unless you're having those types of conversations with God, you will never take your walk with Christ to the next level. And look here, folks, that's what God was trying to do with Cain, and Cain didn't like it. God was having a conversation with Cain, just saying, look here, Cain, you're not doing as well as you think you are. I think God's saying that to some of us this morning, right? Because some of those people online, not in here, but online, they think they're throwing down. And God is saying, no, 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 you can do better. Yeah, yeah, you can do better. So, again, it starts with who am I? Who am I? Matthew 16 and 13, uh, Jesus says something about his own identity. He says, it says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, get this now, who do men say I am? Who do men say I am, right? And you need to ask yourself the question, who am I? You need to know who you are. Get this, universally as a Christian and uniquely as a Christian. So universally, the Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says you're a chosen generation. You're a, a royal priesthood. There's some general things about who you are that you need to read the word of God and engrave, right? But there are some unique things about you as well that you need to pray. You need to get before God. You need to hear from your heavenly father, and you need God to speak to you about who you are. Why is this question so important? Because when you know who you are, you live life totally differently. When you know who you are. When you know who you are, you are no longer a people pleaser. You no longer worry about what people think about you and what people say about you because you know who you are. Here's the, here's the nice part I like about knowing who you are. You are no longer afraid to live for Jesus and to die for Jesus. Because you know who you are. You don't live scared. See, some of us live scared. We worry about what our coworkers think or we worry about what neighbors think or we worry about what family think. And sometimes we dumb down, we dumb down our Christianity. You, you know, I don't want to offend nobody, and uh, I, I don't want to be, uh, what's the word they use when they in society socially now, they just cancel. I don't want to be canceled, <laughs> right? But you got to know who you are, and when you know who you are, you speak the truth unapologetically, you live the truth unapologetically, and it's not my problem, it's your problem. I'm the light of the world. I'm the salt of the earth. And so you got to wrestle with and come to grips with who you are in Christ. Let me give you a couple of examples from my own life. Uh, I've been in ministry for 40 years, and so I've, you know, I've done a lot. I've worked for a lot of different organizations. There was one organization I worked for on the east side of Detroit, and so I was the ministry director there. And I remember my first day on the job. I was so excited about that job. But I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. My first day on the job, 
I'm walking through the building. I'm getting the lay of the land, and I look out the door, and outside of the door, there were two guys putting a beat down on another guy in the middle of the day. They were stomping him and kicking him, and I'm, I rush out there, of course. This is unusual, right? And I'm looking around. Neighbors aren't doing anything. Nobody is saying anything. It was just like it was another day, and I was like, wow, what have I got myself into? What I later discovered is that I had took on a ministry assignment that had a, uh, a gang problem in the neighborhood. The, the headbangers is what they were called. And at the time, they were wreaking havoc on the neighborhood. The very next day, I show up, and I'm puzzled and worried, and I was just walking around. And in the middle of the street, there was two guys just having a shootout in the middle of the street at 11 a.m. Pow, pow, pow. And I'm... I'm going, is this the wild, wild west or what is this? Ironically, not only did I take the job, but I moved into the neighborhood because I wanted to be close to the people and I wanted to be, they call it incarnational is the fancy word. I wanted to be amongst those I served. Well, I had a family and all of that. And so I started saying to myself, now, wait a minute. As a father, right, as a husband, is this why? And so I started thinking, no, nah, I'm going to go back and I'm going to let the board know uh, y'all can keep this job. <laughs> Look here, I got to walk home. Those guys know where I live and all this kind of stuff. And then God stopped me in my tracks. And he said, Phil, do you not know who you are? Do you not know who you are? I gave you this job. I sent you there. Why are you worried? And then he said, do you not know who I am? <laughs> See, when you know who God is, and when you know who you are, you live life totally differently. That's why you got to know who you are, because you're not afraid to live or to die for Jesus anymore. One of my favorite missions trips, I went on several, was one of my favorite missions trips was my first trip to the continent of Africa, to Kenya, Africa. And I went there, and I was, uh, I was so excited going there. I'm going to the motherland. You know, as an African-American, I was excited, get in touch with my roots. And so I go out there, and when we get off the plane, there were so many soldiers there with machine guns and all that. I'm like, man, what's going on here? You're not used to that in America. And then we get in the car, and you think East Coast drivers are bad, New York and places, Philadelphia and places like that, you ought to do some driving in Africa. They got a whole different approach. to In fact, in Africa, pedestrians don't have the right of way. Drivers have the right of way. They will run you over and not think twice about it in Africa. And that's in, in most of the African countries, that's the case. So anyway, I was there. We stayed uh, in Nairobi in the capital city, and then we would, we would take a trek every day about 30 minutes to the spot where we were doing missions work, and we were training a group of village pastors. It was about 700 of them. It, it, it was wonderful. The, the, the ministry experience was wonderful, but every day we took that trip, 30 minutes in African traffic, and we'd have to go through uh, one of the valleys that they had there, they only had two lanes. And so and so Africans were really impatient, so they kept trying to 
past one another. And so over and over again, we're driving in a car, uh, bleep, I, 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 I kid you not, is coming right at us and then get over at the last minute. Didn't happen once, it didn't happen twice, it just kept happening over and over and over again. And I'm saying to myself, I didn't come to Africa to die. <laughs> and just in case you think people never get hit, on occasion you see cars on the side that are burnt out. <laughs> so it happens. And so a after the first day, y'all, I kid you not, I'm being honest, I seriously considered getting me a ticket and going back to Detroit. I was excited, but I did not come to Africa to die. Lord, what are you doing? And God, again, stopped me in my tracks and said, do you not know who you are? Do you not know that I have your back? That I am the sovereign God? That you were born because I said the word, and you will only die if I say the word. And so I said, okay. Oh, Okay, God, I'll stay for the whole week. And so what I did, though, in the, in the human, what I did was I laid back and closed my eyes, y'all, because I, emotionally I can't take this. I, you know, this is, I'm about to get hit, you know, ten times on the way to the site. I can't take that. So, Lord, I'm going to lay back and I'm going to trust you. But at some point, I had to figure out what? Who am I? It's a question of identity. Knowing who you are in Christ makes a world of difference. Number one, that's the first question. Turn to your neighbor and say, who are you? You got to know who you are. The Christian life, you know, sometimes people read the Bible and the stuff that it says in the Bible, people be like, well, how do we pull that off? You got to know who you are. You got to live in the light of who you really are. You are not who people told you you were. You got to let the word of God speak to you. You got to let the God of the universe tell you who you are. That's number one. All right, question number two. Here's the second question. Not only who am I, but why am I here? Why am I here? What, you, what, what am I talking about today? If you're going to give God your best, you got to know who you are in Christ. It's not who your parents told you you was. It's not who your friends told you you was. You got to know who you are in Christ. But in addition to that, you got to know why you're here, and that is the question of purpose. Not only the question of identity, but the question of purpose. You were created on purpose with a purpose, and you serve a God who is purposeful. He created, you are not a mistake. In fact, uh, most of us, by now have taken science or biology, and so one of the things we know f about childbirth is that uh, 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 thousands of sperms were released, and that the one that was conceived was the one that won the race, right? You guys ever seen that video, <laughs> right? It was the sperm that won the race to the egg, right? And guess what? You won the race. You didn't win it because you were superior. You won it because God gave you a little push. And God made sure that you won the race. Why? Because he created you on purpose. The Bible says about the prophet Jeremiah that he was ordained a prophet in his mother's womb. God had something in mind for you before you ever entered this place called the world. 
He has a purpose for your life. And you need to know what that purpose is. You have a calling on your life. It's not just a preacher or a pastor or a prophet. Every single child of God has a purpose. And if you're going to live your life well, if you're going to give God your best, you need to know what that purpose is. And get this, newsflash, you don't get to decide your purpose. God decides it. God is the creator and God has a purpose for you. And some of us don't like to hear this, but let me be honest with you today. God don't care about your dream, your little dream. I got a dream. I got a dream. No, God has a dream for your life. God has a purpose for your life. And hopefully you will enjoy that dream, but whether you do or not, that's your purpose. Don't be like Moses. Some of you remember the story of Moses, right? God had a conversation with him. Moses, go and deliver the children of Israel. And Moses was like, God, can you send somebody else? Right? Now, how many of you remember the story of Jonah? God gave Jonah the mission to go to Nineveh and to preach to the people. And Noah said, no, I'm go uh, uh, Jonah said, I'm going in the other direction. Got swallowed up by a fish, big, a big fish, right? That's what some of you are going through right now. You know, oh, why is my life going so bad? Because you don't care about his purpose, because you're running away from his purpose. So he's sending some stuff in life that's swallowing you up to get your attention, to let you know you can't just live how you want to live. In fact, let me put it this way. You better hope and pray that God don't let you do your thing because he lets some of us do our thing. You better hope that God stops you, right? That's why some folk on their fourth and fifth marriage, they out there willing and dealing and doing their own little thing. And sometimes God will let you marry who you want to marry, even though you didn't ask him who you should marry. Are you with me? That's why God will let some of you to buy your little dream house, and now you bankrupt. Because you're doing your own thing. But that's not the way that the Christian is supposed to live their lives. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And what? Don't lean to your own understanding. But do what? In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he'll tell you what to do with your friends and your spouses and your jobs and how you live your life. You can't put God on the back burner. And then when you get in trouble, you know, uh, uh, somebody about to sue you. Now you're like, oh, God, help. You know, you done messed around and got pregnant and, you you know, you you, you outside of marriage. You're like, oh, Lord, help me. And you know how we like to do, Lord, if you get me out of this one. Lord, if you get me out of this. How many times you going to say that? God is trying to teach you. I'm your father. I, I, I'm your savior and Lord. You need to look to me. You need to depend on me. Look here. I created you. I know who you are. Purpose. And so we got to live a purposeful life. Number one, who am I? Number two, why am I here? Wh why is that question important? Let me say this quickly, and then I'll move on to our last one. Every day, you make decisions and choices. And if you don't know what your purpose is, you're making decisions and choices all over the place. But when you know your purpose, 
Now you can make decisions and choices based on your purpose. There's some friends you shouldn't have. You shouldn't let them in because of your purpose. There's some people you shouldn't even consider to marry because of your purpose. There's some jobs you shouldn't have. It's contrary to your purpose. It's contrary to who you are. All right, let me give you the last one. I want to honor our time. So question number one is what? Come on, who's keeping up? What's question? Who am I? Question number two is what? Why am I here? Question number three. Next slide. Question number three is this. What is most important? Come on now. Aren't these some good questions? If you're going to give God your best, you got to know who you are. you got to know why you're here. But you also need to know what is most important. If you're going to give God your best, you need that. That's the question of priorities. you you got to get and keep your priorities straight. And let me be honest with you, 95% of us are all over the place with our priorities. We are. We, we, we choose our priorities, most of us, right? We don't look to God for what our priorities should be. And let me be honest today. For the majority of us, guess who our number one priority is? It's me. It's you. You're your number one priority for most of us. And you need to take yourself off the throne of your life. And if you've ever said this, hopefully you aren't. But you you got to stop talking about my truth <laughs> as if you got. This is the my truth generator. Well, you know, that don't line up with my truth. Nobody care about your truth. The only truth that matters is the truth from the almighty God, the truth that has been placed in the word of God. You can feel how you want to feel at the end of the day. It doesn't mean anything. Now, let me just say, I don't know if you realize this, but let me just tell you, you're not the creator. You're not the God of the universe. <laughs> in fact, you better rejoice that God, for whatever reason, decided to include me in what he's doing. And I'm excited that God has decided to include me in what he's doing in the earth, and, he, and that he wants to use me. But I can't make me my priority. You ever meet somebody, they think they're smarter than God? They won't say it, but they act like it, right? And so, and so, priorities, priorities. We got to get our priorities straight. Here's what the Bible says about priorities. I'm almost done. Matthew 6 and 33. But seek first what? The kingdom of God and what? His righteousness and all these other things. You, you want to know what all that other stuff is? Your, your dreams and your desires and what you want. And I want to retire and I'm working on my retire And all that kind of stuff that don't mean a hill of beans in the kingdom of God. I'm not saying it doesn't have any importance. I'm just saying it's, a, it's secondary. It's way on the back of the list. When you look at how Jesus lived, when he, was he worried about his retirement? He didn't have a place to lay his head. He ain't had no transportation. But guess what? He was changing the world, right? And so let me just say this. I'm almost done. Let me just say this because this would be applicable to most of us. I'm just saying most of us. The number one priority in life is not your income. It is your impact. Life is not about income. It's about Impact. You need to stop wearing and trying to figure out how I'm going to make some more money. You know, how I'm going to get some more income in. Again, I'm not saying it's not important. It's just way secondary. 
right? God doesn't care how much income you have in your bank account. He cares about how much impact you have in your life account. And when you stand before God, he's going to judge you based on what you did with what he gave you. The story of the parable of the talent. And whatever you got left, that's going to somebody else in terms of income. But your impact will follow you throughout eternity. Your place in heaven is going to be determined by your impact on earth. And so you need to be more impact-oriented and less income-oriented. I know you got to pay your bills. I'm not saying that. Pay your bills. But make that secondary because God is more concerned with the question of productivity. God is concerned with the question of productivity. And, and are you having impact? See, that, that, that's the question. Are you, are you having impact? I'll close with this. Let me tell you uh, what your three priorities should be, according to Phil Collins. Just, you know, reading the scriptures, this is just what I think. Again, it's not you, right? And then somebody else will say, well, number one is my family. No. Your family is not, it's not even the number one priority. In, in, in terms of uh, priorities, your salvation is number one. That's the most important possession you have. Are you saved? Are you really saved? Growing up in Christian family don't mean you're saved. Salvation. Make sure you have assurance of your salvation. That's number one. Let me tell you what, what's number two. Well, my family is number two. No. Your sanctification. You, you, not only do you need to give your life to the Lord, but then you got to crucify your flesh. You got to grow up in Christ so that God can use you in his work. You got to, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, put your childish ways behind you. Because God can't use you, get this, if you keep getting in the way. I don't feel that. I don't see that. I don't want that. I, 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 I. No, your salvation and then your sanctification and then your purpose and then I would put family forth. But that's just my list. You can have your own list. But according to the scriptures, we got to get those priorities straight and then we'll be able to give God our best. Amen? 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 First three questions. And so as we close on today, I want to give you the assignment to Really think about those questions. Now, I got three more for you next week that's going to surprise you. But think about those questions. Wrestle with them. Lord, who am I? Lord, why am I here? Lord, what is most important? And in your time of prayer, I want to give you this assignment. Lord, help me to identify what my real priorities are and what they should be. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's get the Lord a hand clap of praise. Real quickly, just want to extend an invitation to those of you who are watching online or in person. Uh, generally, when you hear a message, you need to respond in some kind of way, some kind of way, right? Because we're all works in progress. None of us are perfect, right? And so I want you to ask yourself the question, how do I need to respond to this message today? For some of you, it's salvation because you haven't given your life to the Lord. If that's you, today is the day. You need to give your life to the Lord. Amen.
Revelations 3 and 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open up his heart, I will come in and sup with him. And so maybe somebody need to give their, li- their life to the Lord for the first time today. Salvation number two, maybe rededicate. Maybe you veered away from the Lord like the prodigal son, and you need to come back home today if that's the case. Again, between you and God, do that. Rededicate your life. Start all over. You say, I got off track. I, I became selfish. And then thirdly, uh, a good church home. I want to recommend Kingdom Embassy to you. If you haven't joined up with a good church family, that's an important part of your spiritual journey. And so I want uh, maybe you need to do that. Or maybe there's some other personal things in the areas of the three questions. Whatever it is, I want you to take this next week and during your, I hope you have a devotional time, time with the Lord. I really want you to talk to God about that. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Um, and so we're going to prepare to close today uh, with the offering. Again, um, give God your best. A part of giving God your best is supporting his local church. Amen? Because the church is what? The body of Christ. And you're here doing the Lord's work, right? You do it as an individual Christian, but you do it as a collective Christian uh, uh, institution called Kingdom Embassy. And so I want to encourage you to be faithful in your giving, and many of you have. Uh, but we want to close by giving you an opportunity to give on today. And most of you know the, the custom here at Kingdom Embassy. You you know, you give as you leave, and so, you know, you don't have to walk. Thank God we're not going to turn you upside down and shake all of the resources out of your pocket, and uh, we're not going to lie to you about a hundredfold blessing or any of that. But uh, give as the Lord lays it upon your heart. Amen? Let's all stand for our benediction. And again, as you leave, you can give unto the Lord. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you for this opportunity to gather as your people called Kingdom Embassy. We thank you for the entire experience on today. We came in and was greeted, oh God, and then we heard praise and worship, and uh, we heard a word, oh God. And so, Lord, we pray that we would not just be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers of your word. And again, oh God, we just thank you for another day and another opportunity uh, to be uh, in the midst where two or three are gathered together. You are in the midst. And so again, oh God, as we leave this place, we pray that you will speak to us. This season of our lives, there is another level, oh God. And we pray that you would speak and that you would help us to get that. Now we pray that the peace of God the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit will rest, rule, and abide with us now, henceforth, and forevermore. And let all God's people say, amen and amen. Greet somebody in love as you leave on today. God bless you. Greet.